Alright guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. MC Anime here, and I'm with my fellow guest. Hi, Tyler from Geek Talk with Tyler. How are y'all doing today? Pretty good. So, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and overall where to find you and what you do. Well, as mentioned, I'm Tyler. And as mentioned again, I am the host of Geek Talk with Tyler, another podcast series currently on Spotify, hoping to diversify in that. But if you want to check out my episodes, mm. check out geektalkwithtyler.com. It'll show you the guests I've had on my show. It'll show you the people that sponsor my show. And it'll show you any upcoming episodes that y'all may be interested in. Okay. So, this particular episode, we're going to be doing... A particular mm. interesting topic. One Piece Universe Explored in a nutshell. So we'll be talking about One Piece. Disclaimer ahead of time. We are not going to hold any punches when it comes to discussing One Piece. It's just going to be the chapter itself and different elements. So spoilers, if you would be advised about that. Well, if they're not caught up anime or manga-wise, <laughs> that's kind of on them. The internet's a thing, yeah. and there will always be spoilers. Yeah, but I like to put that in there, because who knows who gets mad about that. They get sensitive well, about that Well, that's mighty nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> so, let's talk about One Piece. Why do we both particularly like One Piece? I think that's a great question to start out with. Hmm. Well, honestly, One Piece is different than your typical shonen anime. And I explain why specifically in my One Piece episode. Okay. Um, but specifically, it's different because a lot of the time, shonen anime typically focuses on powering up. You, your Dragon Balls, your Naruto's, even your Bleaches, focusing on the main character powering up. Whereas One Piece is really more of an adventure series. Yeah. It, and granted, Luffy and the rest of the Straw Hats have their power-up moments, but it really doesn't focus on that. It just yeah. focuses on the adventure that is True. the One Piece journey. And also, one thing to add about the power-up moments, specifically with One Piece, they're very gradual. So when they actually have the power-up moments, they actually feel very refreshing and actually make sense when they have those moments. Yeah, well, you're not wrong on that. Um, I felt like, well, with the exception of Luffy's gear second and third, I kind of felt like that happened a little too quickly. Well, yeah, but that was also a time skip, too. I'm sorry? That was also, uh, like, training that we didn't really see, so we lost, like, episodes and develop it and all this other stuff. Well, I'm also talking the manga. Yeah. It feels like we had a huge gap between the next gear, mm-hmm. the third gear and second gear happening during the Annie's Lobby saga, whereas gear four happens in Dressrosa. And then we see mm-hmm. the other variants on Whole Cake Island. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I mean, <laughs> if you haven't been watching the manga recently, there's been the legendary fruit, so that's also that. Uh. Well, it definitely brings to the question why that particular fruit was guarded by Shanks. Um, True. We now know that Luffy's awakened fruit isn't the Hito, not Hito, sorry, the, um, the Gomu Gomu no Mi, like we were all led to believe. It's actually the Hito Hito no Mi model Ryza, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But, but it's basically another 
mythical human Zoan. Yeah, what well, that? it's kind of interesting. And for those of you that yeah. are unaware, um, One Piece fruits are yeah. categorized into three different things. We a, have your Zoans, yeah. which transform you into a specific animal. We have your Logias, which turn you into a specific mm. element. Yep. And then your Paramecia, which I guess is technically anything that's either not an animal or an element. Yep. And uh, with his particular, I think his mythical Zoan, wouldn't it be like... I mean, wouldn't it be, say, what, the, I don't even know what the model would be. Well, it's human-human. Yeah. Like, say, Goku's fruit. Oh, okay. Um, so, that's definitely a human model. But honestly, I feel like I get more Looney Tunes vibe mm-hmm. from it than actual person. True. Which makes sense, because if you way back, they way back to, like, the 30s-style animation, yeah. um, they refer to it as the rubber hose cartoons so that's where oda drew his inspiration from that oh so this is the mythical deity son goku then well no oh, okay there no it's not mythical son goku but first off son goku is actually based on son wukong yeah. from journey to the west yeah. so if anything it would be human monkey monkey or human human model monkey king yeah but if anything, it really reflects more on those old black and white cartoons like Popeye and Oswald the Rabbit and all mm. those characters. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Because now we I know the, the new name and then try to figure out what it means, but it really just means, it's, oh, oh, it'll just sh- sh- basically saving one of the last moments to surprise us and give us a curveball. I mean, technically, Oda never really said that it was called the Gomu Gomu no Mi. Shanks did. Yeah. Like, remember when we see Queen's Devil Fruit yeah. and um, King's Devil Fruit and all these other Devil Fruits? They usually have the name and label right there. Yeah. Queen's Devil Fruit, Dragon Dragon, Model Brachiosaurus. King's Devil Fruit, Dragon Dragon, Model Pteranodon. We never saw that with Luffy's actual fruit. It was just Shanks. But I guess it's one of those gradual things. It's like how Digimon, a lot of them start off yeah. as like dra- dinosaurs, then evolve into dragons. Yeah, true. So my theory is that Luffy thing was the going of me the entire time because that's the only name that he had access to at that time. But once he awakened, he actually accessed the true name and therefore actually knew the true name. Because the devil fruit only really reveals itself after you know its name. Not before. It's possible that could be... That makes this one stand out. That it's awakening a sense to another variant. Or perhaps, and I believe, that once you eat it, you know what it does. But you don't necessarily know the name thereof. There are many devil fruit users who, after they ate a fruit, they never knew it was a devil fruit. They always thought Mm. it was like, say, a jutsu. Like in the case of Kinemon. Or uh, any of the other... Well, what you call it, the retainers of Odin. Yeah. They all thought it was a jitsu, but not a devil fruit. Yeah, but they also their understanding was very limited as well. So when they ate it, they didn't know what it was. So they just thought it was some magical fruit. And that just proves my point, that mm. they didn't know the name of it. They just know, oh, I can now do this. Yeah. 
that's all it really proves, if anything else. And I have to say, the naming of devil fruits are actually pretty funny when you think about it. Yeah. We have a whole portion of Kaido's crew. They all ate dragon dragon fruits, but they turn into dinosaurs. And you think, oh, we finally get to see Kaido's fruit. It's just going to be another dragon. Nope, it's fish fish, Malsurayu. Yeah. And there's fish, actually fish. a very good reason as to why that is. Yeah. Uh, the reason is because, much like Wano's opening, it's the um, story of the fish that ascended up the waterfall and became a dragon. Yeah. Which is basically explains Magikarp and Gyarados. Yep, pretty much. Because if you don't know, a lot of uh, Oda takes is a lot of legends and mythologies from different parts of countries worldwide, puts in this story and actually tells a convincing story. Well, all stories really do. In fact, yeah. many of the guests I've had take inspiration yeah. from other forms of mythology yeah. of their stories. But Oda does that really well and yeah. explores into creatures that we've almost never heard of, like Yamato's fruit yeah. are basically the wolves from yeah. Princess Mononoke. Marco's a phoenix, which everyone's really familiar with, so yeah. I guess that one's a bad example. Um, even one of Blackbeard's subordinates has a fruit from Eastern mythology, the dog-dog fruit modeled nine-tailed kitsune. Yep. So it really goes to show you that One Piece is just a collaboration of all these different theories and ideologies put together to make one intact story. Well, it, granted, we many stories rely on different yeah. forms of folklore, storytelling, yeah. as and, as mentioned, Goku and the original Dragon Ball series were based on Journey mm. to the West, but it's how to integrate it to make mm. it such a captivating story. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about One Piece is that they tackle issues before they become real issues yeah like morality versus law the concept of slavery mm -hmm. the concept of lgtpq rights these have all been things that explored in one piece and only now more recently have become more serious issues true but when you also think about it, the morality and law and lgbtq and slavery those have been presenting issues throughout time so it's really not a new continuation that Oda is trying to put into it. It's actually his variation to say these exist. We should acknowledge it and go from there because still society still has many pitfalls, as I say, to overcome those particular issues or uh, periods of time that still is recurrent to today. Never really solved. Honestly, I don't think any of these issues will become fully, quote-unquote, resolved. Yeah. They should be acknowledged. I will agree with you on that. But he acknowledges them in ways that are not only good for storytelling, but they're also good for bringing awareness while making it seem wholesome. Like, the government was always seen as this righteous thing. The pirates are evil. But it's not a black-and-white story. Yeah. There are many Marines who can be seen as evil, but they believe they're doing the right thing. Akainu, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Robin's origin story? Yeah. Okay, so on Ohara, there is a ship full of several civilians ready to leave. And the Marines are like, okay, yep. good. Yep. The civilians are leaving. And then we see a huge fireball coming. It's like, wait, who shot that? And we see it was Akainu. 
saying, if we're going to be thorough about this, we're going to be thorough about this. Where No one survives. Pretty much. So what, what he believe, he's believe he's yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah. So and honestly, one thing about uh, government allegiance that actually really creates a, a unsettling issue is the amount of nationality and loyalty you give to the government that you believe is justified in doing the actions. The world government in one piece has many different displays of protecting their own interests and not really protecting the interests of the world. They're just enforcing because they're the biggest agency to enforce such restrictions. And the void of the lost century is part of that bias. Well, again, this isn't a black and white story. Yeah. Um, Marines good, pirates bad. If anything, the pirate, the Marines themselves can be seen as a gray area. We have people like Garp, who absolutely despise the world nobles, or celestial dragons, as they're better known, but still wants to serve the Marine to protect against the malicious pirates that are there. Like, say, Eustace Kidd, when we saw him after the Marine War, we actually saw him, like, hanging up other pirates, like his namesake, Eustace Kidd. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting, because... You know, the Celestial Dragons, I, I don't really care if they come from nobility and have all this power, but, like, their influence are just figureheads. Their actual power is the, is the five Gordesay. they actually the enforcers of the will of the Celestial Dragons. And if they probably will never turn on them to say because they're giving them so much power and appeasement to do what they want. Well, never say never, because we never expected Robin to be a straw hat. We never expected anybody who served under the Marines, or I guess one of the warlords, to be a straw hat pirate. And we never expected Luffy to have a mythical Zoan. But all these things came into pass. Well, the the Goasei has an allegiance to the Celestial Dragon, so it's only going to take something... To make their allegiance not break and tear. It's going to have to be something they do. They don't support at all. That's the only way I see. The Gorsei betraying these celestial dragons. Possibly. But never say never when it comes to One Piece. Because Oda does have wonderful and amazing different ways. Of surprising us. Like if you told me about 10 years ago. Luffy's going to go on an island. That has Zoan devil fruit users. I'd look at you like, why would Oda want to do that? But now we have Wano, we have Brachiosaurus, we have a Pteranodon, a Spinosaur, an Allosaur, Triceratops, and a, pardon my butchering for this, but a Pachycephalosaurus, all on Wano. So, at this point, whatever Oda has in store for us, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride thereof. Yeah, true. I mean, the world building is really nice, too. We have, like, very... Continuity, the world buildings up to par to certain points in the story, and then the foreshadowing of future events, and then referencing those foreshadowing events back into future chapters also really tells the meaning that Oda really wants to put with the story that he's trying to create. 
is it foreshadowing or is it the viewers looking too much into this? No, foreshadowing is a technique that you use in literature to hint at one event, but then when you actually reference back, then it actually makes more sense when you use that little Easter egg moment in the story in like 200 chapters before. It's not a new concept. You're talking as well as a podcaster and a regular viewer of anime. Are you honestly explaining what foreshadowing is? (laughs) Yes. I know what it is, but I think there are many times where people see something and they just think, oh, it's foreshadowing. Like, I'll no, never forget. No, it's not all the time immediate this. foreshadowing. There is, a, there is obvious foreshadowing that Oda has done, but also people do look into it too much stuff, too, because that's where you get the crazy fan theories going out. And the high, those type of theories do play out in One Piece, especially. They do, and you're not wrong. And the weirdest one I've ever heard of. Um, you, you, let me ask you: You ever see The Simpsons currently? Yeah, yeah I do. Okay, so, um, there was this one um, where they were doing. I think it was a Nightmare of Treehouse or something. I forgot what yeah. it was called. But they were basically explaining to the multiverse, like if there's one group of Simpsons who say some evil marketing won't also explore other Simpsons, and then we see all these different Simpsons from. We have the South Park version, we have the Archer version, the Adventure Time version, and the anime version, which is very interesting because the Simpsons are pay homage to different anime. Yeah. Marge is Rangiku, um, Bart is Naruto, Lisa is Mikasa from Attack on Titan, um, Maggie was Pikachu, uh, Santa's little helper was Haku from Spirited Away, and Homer was Zoro. And you're not going to believe this. This one guy I spoke to said Zoro's going to be able to defeat Kaido because the Simpsons predicted it. And it's like, Haku's not even Kaido. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Hopper isn't even Kaido. He's oh, Haku God. from Spirited Away. So yeah, but the Simpsons predict everything. It's like, yeah, they predict a lot of stuff. But going on that theory alone is asinine. But <laughs> there are some theories that I've heard that oh. actually do hold water. Um, when we look at Blackbeard, for example, yeah. um, we see his emblem, which is the eight pirate bones and the three skulls. Yeah. I do believe that each skull represents a different devil fruit that he has consumed. The two ones we have currently that Louis know about, at least, are the Gura Gura no Mi, like, um, Whitebeard's former devil fruit, and the Yami Yami no Mi that he stole from Teach. Now, so that still leaves one category. We have one Logia and one Paramecia. I think it's going to be a Zoan, but if Blackbeard's going to have a Zoan, it's not going to be something as stupid as, like, say, the Salamander Salamander Fruit model Axolotl. If anything, it should be a mythical Zoan. Well, it could either be an ancient Zoan, too. Uh, It could also be an ancient Zoan. It doesn't have to necessarily be a mythical. Ancient still have lots of... uh, variations that we still haven't really seen they do but that doesn't make a lot of sense and here's why if blackbeard's going to consume more than one devil fruit he would want to go for the creme de la creme of these devil fruits the yami yami no mi arguably the strongest um logia in existence and we have the gura gura no mi arguably the strongest paramecia in existence so if he's going to go after a mythical zoan or most likely has one 
it's this. I think he has a mythical Zoan that turns him into an Amit. Have you heard of it? A who? An Amit. It's basically an Egyptian creature that's part crocodile, part lion, part hippopotamus. Okay. It's been known as the Devourer of Souls. And here's why I think that. For starters, um, you know how many of this draw the One Piece characters are akin to an animal. Luffy is yeah. monkey, um, Zoro is tiger, shark, and Sanji is goat slash duck to reflect his ugly duckling origins. Yeah. Blackbeard's animal, quote unquote, is a hippopotamus. So, since this creature is part hippo, I think that's the first reason as to why he would eat this fruit. Not only that, but I think it's because it's the devourer of souls. The in ancient Egyptian mythology is the devourer of souls, and I believe this is how Blackbeard was able to consume more than one fruit. I believe he killed Teach, and then when the soul of the devil fruit was leaving his body, he ate. He turned into this creature and ate it, which explains the whole tarp situation with Whitebeard. The spirit didn't have anywhere else to go, and he consumed the soul of the devil fruit as it was leaving his body. True. There's also another supporting theory for him being used in multiple devil fruits. That's just a simple. That is the simple fact that he can uh, uh, associative disorder personality, dissociative disorder personality. Multi-personality. So like Mandy Faces from yeah. um, He-Man, or yeah. I guess like, say, I, I don't know, Blitzwing from Transformers Animated kind of a thing? Yeah, he has a lot of, he has like alternate uh, personalities, and has an alternate personality that's actually considered a different person because of in the same body. So the laws of physics being one devil fruit in one body doesn't really apply because it actually applies to the different personalities that could have like maybe three different souls in one body if we're going to start applying the laws of our physics in the one piece world many characters and even creatures wouldn't exist like queen have you seen queen's body he's uh, six meters tall and he supports his body on two little legs so if it was applied to today's and our version of physics Queen wouldn't be a thing. I mean, he would, just not as well, as depicted by Oda. This, the, the theory that I'm suggesting with alternate personalities is actually a stretch in physics because they just deem that you have a different personality and it's like they take control at different at random times. But the thing I is, with that, the, but... red, the One Piece uh, lore, it's not necessary to say that Stretching to alternate personality being a possible stretch for explaining why Teach is like this is more of an effective uh, reasoning to logic to some degree. Because I mean, Oda hasn't really revealed the big reason yet, and that's going to be the big reason why when they fight, he's going to reveal it slowly and then. Or all at once, and then it's just a big shocking factor. Honestly, who can really say? I mean, Oda's given us so many curveballs 
Like, we once believed that Sabo died. Dressrosa. Oh, wait. No, he didn't. Yeah. So, honestly, at this point, it's who can really say. But True. I think a lot of times when people look into these, look too much into it, they get sidetracked of what's really there. Like mm. I mentioned with the guy who told me that Zoro's going to be the one to defeat Kaido. It's like, every every arc we have for One Piece, Luffy has always taken on the head guy. He took on Crocodile, he took on Luchi, he took on Doflamingo. What aspect of that have we seen with Zoro? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't really like... I just really want to do really the storyline and actually connect. Oh, okay, great. I didn't expect this. Let's keep watching. That's kind of what I've been watching One Piece for, is that unexpected nature from uh, Oda all the time. I mean, well, now that Toei Animation has been hacked, I honestly just recommend reading the manga. There's a lot more funny shit going on right now um, than the anime has yet to show. Like, Yamato hiding Momo in her clothes, or King and Queen's weird-ass powers, like the Brachiosaur Hiss, where he basically removes that from his body and turns into a giant snake, Mm -hmm. while his torso has cannons, essentially kind of making him the Dinobot of the One Piece lore. Mm -hmm. Then we have King, who is basically a human angry bird, where he pulls his head and his face all shrinks in. And then releases it and releases like some sort of monster loogie. Yeah. It's like, how does Oda think of this shit? <laughs> well, to be honest, the mindset of Oda is really like One Piece is going to be his greatest. Well, to him, One Piece is a really great achievement to do long for standing manga series and also really practice the craft that he wanted to do with it. Because I don't feel like Oda all at once thought about all this. He did it as he went. I don't get that feeling that he thought all of this at once. He's slowly portraying the story into what he wants. Like Rome, One Piece wasn't built in a day. But he knew how it was going to end. In fact, him and four other, three other individuals actually know how it's going to end. The first one being Oda, obviously. The second one was his first editor. The third one, second one, I should say, being his latest editor. And the last one is a kid from a -A Make-A-Wish Foundation. His wish was to find out how One Piece ended, and Oda told him. So those four people know how One Piece will end. So, But do I actually believe he came up with it in a day? Absolutely not. No writer ever comes up with the... Beginning, middle, and ending of their story in mm. a day. True. Well, you also can go back to Love Dawn, the one shot of one of One Piece in the in the beginning. You know, there is some inspirations that he's taking, applying to the actual One Piece lore, but there is that one shot story that that doesn't only really define the pace of One Piece itself. Well, no, because like I've mentioned, One Piece is an adventure and yeah. spreading over. Well, decades at this point. And honestly, as an American, I gotta say, I don't believe it had the best intro to anime. Yeah, or it had a very small, slow I'm glad transition. it did introduce many people to yeah. anime. Um, 
it wasn't exactly a good continuation. Yeah. Do I really need to get into the whole rice ball jelly donut situation? That's Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same concept. Yeah. Many things that happened to the One Piece for kids never happened. Like, Nami's foster mom didn't die. She was yeah. just locked up. And then after they defeated Arlong, she's still locked up. True. And don't get me started with the whole Sanji smoking a lollipop and Zoro's got <laughs> all the uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you had to give it credit. Four kids dubbing has really been the pinnacle of our anime existence in one way or another. From wherever weird censorship to actual just changing slightly to a lollipop instead of a cigarette. I mean, I mean, look, I understand why they did it. They were censoring kids because they don't want to show people smoking or pe- or blood or gore for the sake of blood and gore. Yeah. But four kids actually had a similar problem that Funimation had, and here's why I'm saying that. They just wanted to grab one other anime and dub it to the way that they see fit. Yeah. Um, there's actually an anime I saw to completion, and I hate to say it, it's a guilty pleasure anime. It's called Interspecies Reviewers. Oh yeah, I love but Interspecies it, Reviewers. I'm going to do exactly. a review of that finish. tomorrow. Oh. Interspecies Reviewers <laughs> is basically anyone who's ever played a D&D game and instead of going on adventures, yeah. they just fuck women of various yeah. races, being minotaurs to golems yep. to even weird things like bird people. Yeah, it's hobbies. like, okay, and I get that concept, but Funimation really should have picked and chose more selectively. It's basically borderline hentai. Oh, yeah. Uh, funny thing you mentioned that. That's actually one of the episodes I'm going to record tonight and upload it. Interspecies anime, interspecies reviews, anime discussion. Well, good luck with that, and I hope you find <laughs> a good guest for that. I mean, I know it really thoroughly enough that I can just talk about when I'm recorded, so. Well, power to you then. So, but, you know, with this particular One Piece story explored that we have in the universe, what is one particular fight scene that you think changed the narrative of One Piece? Oh, easy. Annie's Lobby. Not only was it a good growing moment for Luffy, it was a good growing moment for all the Straw Hats. Mm-hmm. We see Zoro's Enma form, we see Sanji's um, Diablo Jean. And we see all these other One Piece characters grow as person, but most notably, Usa. Yeah. Because he realized that he was weak, but he can still be an asset. Yeah. And that speaks to me, can still be proven useful to the Straw Hats, because there were things he can do no one else within that crew could. It also was beneficial for Robin, because she was just there, just a journey with them. But once she realized that she actually has value... She wants to live. Yeah. And that was beautifully well done. And I love this for another reason. Um, they all, I would say, like, it was like five of them, or six if we're including the elephant sword, have yeah. Delafruits, two Pyramesias, and four Zoans. Again, if we're including the elephant sword. Yeah. Luchi and Jabra turned into a leopard and a wolf, respectively. 
me think, oh, okay, so what vicious animal is Kaku going to turn into? And then we see it's a giraffe. Yeah. And they were just laughing at him, but a lot of the times people tend to forget that giraffes are, in fact, dangerous animals. Mm -hmm. They just don't look like it. They can actually decapitate a lion with a single kick. That's how powerful they are. And, you know, they're not the giant creature you think to be in gentle. I think the uh, the defining moment that with me was probably Dressrosa for the simple fact the first time we have an awakened devil fruit user the pressure oh, to I'm actually stop complete you right there. The, that's no, not the very like first the time big, we've had an awakened devil fruit user no no no, no. it's more like a an actual fight scene with Luffy with an awakened fruit uh, also. We had the trans, the big pressure to actually enclose the the Smile Empire. There's a lot of repercussions of taking down, uh, Dress Rosso as well because you had the criminal undermine the Joker himself, being so implemented in all of the underground culture that the underground crime ring took a a deep dive and then went back up to resurface after the fact to recover from it. So the implication of that particular arc, not only did we have, you know, a partnership with uh, Api Api no Mi, with Law, but we also had an interesting formation of this uh, conjugation of Luffy's fleet as well. It's a lot of things added to the story that it wasn't there before. You're not wrong on that, but back to that awakening concept, yeah. um, while Doflamingo is obviously the most famous yeah. awakening, at least, you know, now that we see mm. Luffy just awakened his fruit, there are, and for those of you that don't know, an awakened devil fruit user is essentially a full potential devil fruit user, yeah. where depending on the user, you can manipulate your environment, as the case with the Aikouiji Akainu battle mm-hmm. that takes place on Punk Hazard, yeah. where it's, the landscape is now permanently changed to basically Shoto's powers from My Hero Academia, a mm. cold side and then a hot side that's just permanently damaged. Um, we have the Jailer Beasts, all five of them, and mm. yes, I'm including the, I don't know why this exists, because Oda Logic, the Dog Dog Fruit Model Chihuahua mm-hmm. Jailer Beast. And it wouldn't surprise me if we had other Awakens that have yet to be officially 110% confirmed. Oh, yeah. To Awaken. Uh, if you told me that Chopper was an Awakened Devil Fruit user, I would not be surprised by that because Chopper is the best example of a bad Devil Fruit good user. True. This also goes to show you that, you know, when you... you Logic doesn't really apply. It's really what the story is at the time. And there's so much overlapping details that the lore of One Piece is built on that every one, as you get to the next layer, is another foundation that just adds on to the deep continuity of the show itself and the manga. If you're honestly going to start applying logic 
into anime, then you're honestly going to give yourself an aneurysm because that is just a <laughs> headache waiting to happen. That's the beautiful thing about most yeah. anime. They don't have real world logic to yeah. them. It's their logic, but which is extremely different than our logic. And that logically like, loose is going to be a very specific type of logic like Oda has done in One Piece. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? It can also be a very loose interpretation, or it can actually be a very specific logic for what the story is going to be in their point out thereafter. If you're looking for logic in One Piece, then I strongly recommend you finding another series to watch. Um, <laughs> there's, there, there are many series that actually do have scientific applications into them, as I explained in my upcoming episode, Fact yeah. and Fiction. Gargoyles, one of my favorite series of all times, far none. Um, granted, I know I'm looking into a series that has magic as logic. There's a reason why I mentioned this. It was one of the season two episodes, Metamorphosis, where Dr. Anton Savarius, played by the legendary Tim Curry, creates um, essentially a, a facsimile gargoyle by using by genetic splicing. We have um, essentially a big cat bat electric eel hybrid. And that sounds weird, but hear me out. They had the big cat for the strength and ferocity, the bat for flying. And you're wondering yourself, how does a creature that big survive? You're going to need at least four four cows a day just to maintain the metabolism. But that's where Anton Savaria said, I have another way for them to maintain flight. Yeah, electric eel DNA, which allows them the continual energy. Do I believe that could actually work in the real world? Most likely, no, because yeah. you're combining two warm-blooded animals mm. with a cold-blooded animal. But at least gives us more of a reason yeah. on how it's possible, like how, why gargoyles turn to stone. Yeah, their hibernation is essentially them recharging their ability to use their wings to glide. Yeah. And yes, I say glide, not fly. That's been confirmed that they can not fly, but glide. True, and also with uh, One Piece Universe, one anti-logical thing to really say about is the actual world map. Not really do we see all world being that big defined by the world map, the new world, the red line, the grand line, on all these different dividing seas and the calm belt, all of that, it's really unique as as well. I mean, if you're going to start applying our world logic to theirs, you're going to give yourself a bad time. I know. It is built differently. I will acknowledge that. And with good reason. It is an adventure anime that involves Mm. the Straw Hat Pirates sailing on a boat. And it's kind of hard to do that when... If you take into our world standards, a lot of the world is, well, continent. And granted, I know the ocean is made of 70% of um, of ocean, but it's more adventurous to go from island to island than yeah. it just would be to go to continent to continent because we never realized how many countries are actually near the water. Pretty much. Well, actually, all the countries. There is no continental countries, really. It's all island countries. So that's another thing about like One Piece. The adventure setup sets up the 
grand stage for a for for a country to be surrounded by water and to solely well mostly depend on the ocean as a means of communication, transportation, and getting support. Well, yeah, that's ideal for pirates, but bad for devil fruit users. True, which is very ironic that the entire ocean landscape and island and habitating is with devil fruits being in the process. It's like, oh yeah, we can give you amazing power, but you have a really big weakness that over that equalizes the great power that you have. Well, I mean, not necessarily. We have people like Brooke that just run on water carelessly because he's so light. And we have people like Kaido and Marco that can say, oh, wait, I can't swim. Oh, wait, I can fly. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, true. That is it. But or even people like Ekuiji who can just freeze the ocean and just, you know, ride along on his little bicycle. So is it a crippling weakness? That depends on who you ask. Not necessarily a crippling weakness. I say more like an equalizer in most sense. It's ironic that the devil fruit... Equalizer? I mean, depending on your fruit. Like, there are some really powerhouse fruits. Like, the Gura or the Maramaranomi can be seen as a powerhouse fruit. But then we have the less powerful fruits, like the human-human fruit, or the... Uh, like I mentioned, the Sala Sala fruit model Axolotl, or even the Dog Dog fruit model mm. Dachshund. All terrible fruits, but they've all found good hosts. Yeah. Well, it's, okay, this is why I think it's an equalizer. Because of the simple fact that you have something other than... You have a uh, an abundant resource that's actually impeding most users, and some users are defining that, even if the user themselves are defining what the weakness is, they can still be impeded by that weakness if given the right opportunity. And don't forget, another equalizer of the grind, the sea stone slash ocean being to devil fruit users, hockey's also when you imbue yourself with that brief, that technique, you also can actually impact them as well. Okay, you, you keep saying equalizer. I don't think that's the word. If anything, it's a trade-off. It's kind of like the monkey's paw situation, but in a more beneficial way. The, for those of you that don't know, the monkey's paw is essentially, you find the monkey's paw, and it grants your wish, just not in the way you want it. Yeah. But in this case, it gives you a power, but it will cost you something. So it's more of a trade-off. And many people are surprised why Jack is still alive. It's like, He's a fish man. He can breathe underwater. He just can't swim. Yeah. Like, okay, but he should have died. Okay, but yeah, he can breathe underwater. He just can't swim in it. Yeah. So he's really just sitting there waiting to be rescued. I mean, that's really all it is. It's it's something people confuse a lot. If you can't swim, then you're automatically going to die. That's not true. No. If you're like, say, a person, like... I ate a devil fruit and then took a swim in the ocean. I would absolutely die immediately. Jack is not. He is a fish man. He ate the elf excuse me, elephant elephant fruit model mammoth. Yeah. And he turns into a badass and he is among the beast pirates. Yeah. Uh, fourth strongest overall, if we're including Kaido. If not, then third strongest. Um, but it's like a monkey paw wish would be like, 
you wish to breathe underwater, but you will lose your ability to swim. Mm. Or you wish you could fly, but you become stupidly acrophobic that it kind of renders it useless. Yeah. So it was good that we found out that Jack is not a human, but a fish man, because it definitely mm. helped Inurashi and Nekomamushi get their revenge on him. Yeah, it did. Well, also, Which I love how, but speaking of, I'm just going to say, I love how Oda gets these inspiration for these characters. We have Ivankov, who is clearly Tim Curry from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. We have Nekomamushi, who is basically um, Garfield. And we have Big Mom, who is basically the queen from Alice in Wonderland. Pretty much. I mean, he takes really lots of different inspirations and put it into the story. That's another thing that he 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 might be paying tribute to the ideas that he's adapting from others, putting in his own spin, and put it part of the story that is just one thing that writers do sometimes that can pay homage to what they like. Well, yeah, inspiration is the most sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, I cannot tell you how many of my friends are quoting me in their everyday lives. Because they've heard something I like, I've said, they like it, they're going to use it. Same case with every writer out there. Yeah. And as mentioned earlier, Luffy was based on Goku, hence his name Monkey D. Luffy. Yeah. Goku was based on Sun Wukong of the old Chinese folklore during to the West. And will there be a person who pays homage to Luffy in the future? Probably. Most likely, but that's just a let's wait and see kind of mentality. Yeah. And also, you know, we kind of have to talk about the different race Races depicted in One Piece. That's also like a very interesting man, aspect. The long-legged humans, the yeah. minks, and all those races. Yeah, it's still a very interesting dynamic. You know, the celestial dragon discriminating against the races, putting into slavery. Not no one person is basically immune to the power, except for the celestial dragons themselves, and all that other stuff. Well, I don't believe that's true. I believe that the Celestial Dragons are full, are basically like that spoiled rich kid that can get away with anything because their family is rich kind of thing. Yeah. And Luffy, and I'm glad Luffy did this, one of the defining moments in the mm -hmm. One Piece series yep. is where he absolutely bitch slaps one of the Celestial Dragons mm -hmm. for shooting his friend. It's like, no, know your place. And apparently he hasn't learned that lesson because come the uh, meeting that they had, mm. which took place after Wano, he's like, oh, I'm going to kidnap me a mermaid. And then we see the other celestial dragon just bitch slap him. It's like, did you not learn the first time? Mm -mm -mm. He evidently didn't because he got the common sense slapped into him twice. Yeah. So, it, which, honestly, I'm glad they brought this up because there was a celestial dragon that happened, that appeared in a flashback with the, um, what was that undersea king, the Ryuku kingdom, I believe? Yeah. That, that he's been essentially humanized. He no longer wears the glass bubble that separates him from everybody else. He's still a celestial dragon, but he's working on his image to perfect the Celestial Dragon name to a much more respectable title. Yeah. We even see him bowing down to to the king of this underwater kingdom. It's like, wow, that's actually very admirable of you. 
which also shows why Garth never wanted to get promoted. Anybody who becomes an admiral directly follows the orders of the Celestial Dragons. He despises them and does not want that ranking. Yeah. I mean, he also did have to protect it on the Roxy Pirates on that particular island, so he did have to follow that when that became, he had to team up with uh, Goldie Roger. But that was one exception that he was willing to do to keep from the Rocky Pirates to actually achieve the total chaos they wanted to do. Well, yeah, that's the perfect example of what a modern pirate is. I mean, are the Straw Hat Pirates pirates? In their own way, yes, because they're defying the world government. But they're not real, real pirates. And that sounds weird, and here's why I say that. Real pirates will kill, they will steal, Nami steals, but a lot of times it's for a better reason, usually herself, and they will rape and pillage and do all this messed up shit as basically a fuck you to you and your government rules. Straw Hats do defy the government, but I have not seen any of the really killing or raping. Straw Hat pilots are an advocacy for free will, stand up for what you you think is right, but also go along with you know the emotion to have fun, to be adventurous, to actually follow your own path. You're not necessarily destined for one's path particularly for you. You can choose your own path. That's what the being Pirate King, I believe, really is. Yeah. It's just total free will, not being told what to do. And as someone that has had to answer to many people, whether it be my parents or bosses or even police officers uh, for one reason or another, I understand and respect that. I do admire their freedom. And that's one thing I like about One Piece. There's so many the mysteries involved with it. You can spend hours trying to talk about it and not everything will make all perfect sense because it's all different interpieces might be connected in a way that you didn't really think of me imagine connected in that way. No one really does think about it that way, and it's actually kind of a shame. But a lot of people say they're watching; they are not watching One Piece because it's too long. And I get it; a thousand plus episodes, a thousand plus manga chapters is a little too long. I admit, and part of me wishes One Piece would end so I can check it off. But the other part of me is, is really enjoying the adventure, yeah. and I do see adventure because that's what it really is. That's why it stands out from modern shonen. Yeah. That ends been able to sell more mangas, not only than any other manga series, yeah. but also more than many American comics, like Spider-Man and Batman, the only comic series that has sold more than One Piece, is Superman, with 600 million yeah. copies sold. And the thing with One Piece I like is the simple fact that there's not a lot of fellow content. It's still well, on that theme you, of... Well, I'm going to stop you right there. When you say not a lot of fellow content... Are I'm talking, talking about like, the, the, the typical fellow that's like... Okay, can I finish? not typically the, too many flashbacks as like you would think the flashback is actually geared to the story. There is like episode arcs that are like particularly fellow. But they're not, like, compared to, like, Naruto or Bleach, when an entire season arc is just filler. As okay, which I still haven't asked my question. 
do you mean percentage wise or do you mean overall? Because overall, One Piece, I would say, has about a couple hundred fillers, or maybe not, I would say at most a hundred episodes that can be seen as filler. Yeah. But percentage wise, it's not even ten percent. Yeah, filler. It's not because the percentage is what I'm looking at. Uh, percentage-wise in the episode count, it's really small compared to other big anime. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I would say the three most um, percentage-wise for any shonen anime with filler would be Bleach, Naruto, and Naruto Shippuden, which yeah. is why I've never really liked Boruto, because they actually had to open up with filler. If you have to open up with filler, then it's clearly not good. Yeah. Which I like about One Piece. It mostly stick to the storyline. Uh, it didn't really stray away too much. True, but there is there are times where filler can be good. Yeah, I know. Um, a lot of times to flush out Especially One Piece. The like One the Piece world, the fillers that they have the were very yeah. pinnacle for the storytelling. They gave us that early childhood, that, you know, particular reason to this, or why this happened, but it it's exploring in a different way. Perhaps, but uh, it, there's a lot of content to work on, so I honestly don't see that much filler being there in the first place. Yeah. And the focus of the story is like, well, point A to point B, and there's not much in between that's distracting you from that journey along either. No, and it really annoys me when people skip over Skypea because not only was that canon, but it was actually a good story of a true powerhouse being NL. Yeah. The only reason Luffy won was because his devil fruit is the natural counterpart yeah. to his um, Goro Goro no Mi. If Luffy had any other devil fruit at all, and he was as still as strong as he was, he would have lost. He doesn't have hockey, or at least really any form of developed hockey at yeah. that point. He, any other devil fruit would actually be an actual weakness to it, because that is an absolute powerhouse with devil fruit, just being able to conjure up huge and massive lightning storms, which is actually more times than not very, very, a lot of people don't think this, but it's a very hot devil fruit, because yeah. it's been shown that lightning is even hotter than fire and magma. Yeah. Electricity also has the, you know, pulsating effect that really affects the body more, too. Exactly. The blast of all, electricity all can of also influence... composed of energy. Yeah, they can eat... They I guarantee you that Lagia can probably damage a lot of different Lagia just for the simple fact how electricity operates as a, like a... I think a plasma matter, I think? I think it's like, uh, well, it's that's a kind of, of counter-redundant. Yeah. That, that's like saying, can I get some pork bacon? Because bacon is pork. You don't need to say pork bacon. Yeah. You can just say bacon. Plasma is already a type of matter. Calling yeah. Saying something that's plasma matter is like putting a bed <laughs> on a hat. Or one of those people that like their own posts on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, okay, we get it. You already put this out for us to see. Why are you liking it? That, that's That's stupid. Maybe they want to like it. I mean, it's their... Granted, you're free to do whatever you craft. please, but that's stupid. If you already like it enough to share with the world, then you don't need to hit the like button. 
True, but... That's you... like asking, hey, can I get a cheeseburger? Oh, and can I get that with cheese? You're already asking for a cheeseburger. You're already asking that is for extra cheese. Oh, gosh. What is one aspect of One Piece that really gives us the motivation to keep going? Oh, honestly, I like to see things fall through the end. If their story is good and captivating, and it is, Mm -hmm. and I've been following it ever since I was a kid, some 20-some-odd years ago. And uh, granted, like I mentioned, it didn't have the best origin, being the four kids, American dub, but it still is a good story overall. Yeah. And I honestly wish more people could get into it, but I understand why they don't. If you told me one piece is too long, I'm sorry to hear that. I respect your decision. And if you give me some stupid reason, like one piece is, I don't know, one piece is stupid or, oh my God, like one person actually said to me, Naruto is goat anime. It's like, Go, uh, my God, that, that's so stupid. <laughs> goat, like okay, goat usually p- typically, is goat is like the, if you really want to do track goat, you just track the best selling anime. <laughs> well, the manga that. is more, the manga, as a viewer of the anime and manga, yeah. I will tell you the manga is better. Oh, yeah. But, first of all, the term goat is asinine and it's been stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. How do you know that? They're not uh, done. If you told me Lord of the Rings is the go, quote-unquote, of movie franchises, I will tell you, I will agree with you on that, because that franchise has won more Oscars than any other film trilogy, even Star Wars. Yeah. Um, four in the first one, two in the second, and an amazing 11 Oscars for the last film alone. Yeah, pretty much. And if so you want to, if you want to back up, go. You're gonna have to back up, like awards, achievements, uh, you know, records that there has been made. You know, there's there has to be a particular, like number or reason why you're backing it up. And goat, yard times, there's not a lot of backing the goat before the simple fact that it's really hard to achieve that success, that that oh. moment. Of achievement. The term goat is just a pissing contest. That's all yeah. it really is. This one, you remember that thing I told you about with the Simpsons, Haku, yeah. Zoro's killing Kaido theory? Yeah, that was the same guy that used goat for everything. It's like, goatings! And check out these boneless wings. They're goat food. It's like, <laughs> dude. It's, you're, you're overusing the word. The more you yeah. use a word, the less meaning it yeah. has. And first off, I'm going to say, Traditional wings are much better than boneless wings because boneless wings are essentially glorified chicken nuggets. That's all they'll ever be. Secondly, yeah. you're overusing a word. Like mm. I just mentioned, the yeah. more you use it, the less meaning it has. It's True. like one of those participation trophies you give to everybody so they don't feel left out. And I get that. That is nice. You want to make them feel included. My podcast has people from all walks of life. I've had black co-hosts, white co-hosts, Asian, Hispanic, gay, pansexual. As long as you know your shit, you are welcome on my show. But I'm not just going to give you a spot for the sake of giving you a spot. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I think so. And the one thing I take from... if you're just going to give things an empty title, then it means nothing. Yeah. It's like, I'll never forget this. This one guy I used to associate myself with 
we were getting him, my other friend, a gift, and we were all chipped in for said gift. The other guy, he said, hey, can you sign the card? It's like, dude, he didn't contribute to the gift. Why the fuck are you making him sign that card? That's stupid. True. And granted, the friend that signed, that just signed it, did give me the money for my other friend's gift. But that was the whole point of the card. The card was to show you these people that signed the card paid for your gift. Yeah. The the one thing I take from One Piece in actual in, high, in in reality is it has a great story. It has really intriguing plot designs that continue to captivate me even to the end of the story. One Piece is probably one of those shows I'll probably rewatch again even after it ends because there's oh, yeah, so I much detail that you miss. Like there's so much that you can't even comprehend because you might have been focused on something else when you find this small detail and you appreciate it more. But the simple fact that the content goes on very long time, so when you find the new content that you have a new perspective, it's just like rereading the same book and you have a different meaning, or reading the same the same chapter and you have a literally different approach on what it was. When you originally read it. Well, yeah, that's why I'm such a huge fan of Beast Wars. Yeah. Um, I will explain this in my upcoming Beast Wars episode, that it's definitely stood out in the realm of Transformers series. But not only that, it was animated differently, and we appreciate it for what it was. And I actually pay acknowledge to this in my episode, Cartoons Then and Now, yeah. as the series that has stood out for their animation. But overall, Beast Wars does stand out because yeah. it tackled things that other Transformers series has yet to cover. Yeah. Like in the case of nature versus nurture, morality. In fact, two of the characters there actually got nominated in the Transformers Hall of Fame. Dinobot for sacrificing himself so history wouldn't be changed. And Waspinator, who is basically the Kenny of the Transformer franchises, dies in every episode. And that sounds weird and why they would do that, but here's why. The producers of the show hated how waspinator sounded he sounded like a humanoid wasp which is exactly there's a lot of buzzing around and it would get annoying but he became such a fan favorite that they couldn't get rid of him but they had to end the annoying buzzing sound so they just killed him in every episode yeah and uh i think this really takes and what we like about one piece and how one piece has has really opened up new horizons for not only what the story was, the character development, the the grand design in the end, Oda's vision from beginning to end to middle to everything in between, but we also relate it to One Piece and how it's impacted us in different ways, and we were able to reflect on that and actually, you know, not necessarily pay tribute, but like Talk about it because it's a really great series and overall how it's been impacting us through how, you know, the journey we've been following it. And I agree with that. And even if we don't take these lessons we learned from One Piece, we absolutely should. Yeah. But even then we can take character inspiration from them, um, not including anime. I'm going to go to a cartoon realm. Um, Demona from Gargoyles. I spoke to the creator of the series, Greg Wiseman. 
he was heavily influenced by Magneto for Demona. And not in the physical sense, of course, but in the mental sense of the us versus them mentality. Yeah. Magneto being the us mutants versus them humans, whereas Demona is us gargoyles versus them humans. Yeah. And uh, where can they find you again? To just to wrap up uh, this episode? Uh, my... My website is geektalkwithtyler.com. I am currently on Spotify. I am looking to branch out to the podcasting. And if you like the sound of my voice, feel free to hit me up on my website, geektalkwithtyler.com. Go to the contact page. If you have an idea that would be a good episode idea, want to be on my show, or even want to donate so I can continue producing Mm -hmm. more wonderful and delicious content for y'all, I'd be happy to do so. But if you're looking for a sponsor... I'd be happy to accommodate you on that as well. Alright guys, as we take this opportunity, thank you for having Tyler with us. And I yeah, really appreciate you having you on the show. It was really fun talking about One Piece lore and the universe being exploring what it was, what it is, what it means. And overall, having a genuine good personality that at some points is like, okay... He's going on. Let him have his spotlight and be a good personality doing it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the uh, <laughs> opportunity to shine to talk about my favorite anime and manga series. <laughs> All right. So as this wraps up MC Anime Podcast, I would thank the audience for viewing this content. And don't forget to check us out on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. Those are the main areas that we at. And don't forget... Patreon is a really big importance for, you know, supporting us and having everything else stay in tune. So go in the tears and then do the what the, you think is right. And overall, you can find us on Blog MC Anime on Patreon. And thank you so much. And enjoy your day. Thank you for Tyler for having us.